and welcome to Ben Ben's Storytime, a podcast where I tell stories to listeners. In today's episode, I'll continue where I left off in my Greek mythology series. No one makes a cuckoo out of Hera. So join me as I hop right in. Hera gets a little cuckoo. Okay, so let's start with the good news. Hera was hot. I mean, totally knockout gorgeous. She had long licorice black hair. Her face was regal and unapproachably beautiful, like the face of a supermodel on a fashion runway. The Greeks described her eyes as ox-like. Believe it or not, that was a compliment. It meant she had large, soft brown eyes that you could get lost in. I guess the Greeks spent a lot of time staring at oxen. Anyway, in the early days of Mount Olympus, all the male gods and titans were falling over themselves for Hera. Which brings us to the bad news. Hera had a short temper and a massive attitude. Whenever a guy approached her, she would cut him down so fast, pointing out his flaws, trash-talking him like a pro, that the guy would just leave in tears and never try flirting with her again. Mother Ray decided Hera would do well to be sent off with her uncle Oceanus and her aunt Tethys at the bottom of the farthest sea. And for a while, Hera was off the radar screen. She spent some happy years with Oceanus and Tethys, who had a pretty solid marriage compared to the other immortals. Hera decided she wanted a marriage just like that. She would hold out for the right guy. She wouldn't marry just any old god who came along, unless he could prove he could be a good and faithful husband. She'd heard about her sister Demeter's troubles. Poseidon, Zeus, and Hades were all complete jerks. Hestia had been smart to stay single. But Hera wasn't about to be a bachelorette forever. She wanted a husband, kids, a house in the suburbs, the whole package. She would just have to be careful about which husband she chose. After a few years, she moved back to Mount Olympus and got her own set of apartments in the palace. Her nasty temper was more under control, but the guy gods still found her hard to flirt with. If they got too fresh, she would shut them down fast. Kiss Hera? <laughs> I don't think so. Not unless you show her a wedding ring and a financial statement proving you can support a family. Eventually, most of the gods and titans decided Hera was just way too much work, even though she was absolutely the most beautiful goddess in creation. Well, so far anyway. One god saw her as a challenge, though. Zeus didn't like to take no for an answer. You may have noticed that. He would slide in next to her at the dinner table and tell his best jokes. He would sing for her at the hearth, he would see her walking down the hall, and he'd suddenly burst into a Corette's dance number just to get her to smile. Secretly, though, she enjoyed the attention. Zeus was funny when he wanted to be. He was handsome with his dark hair and blue eyes, and he liked to walk around without his shirt on, casually flexing his muscles and showing off his abs. He was in good shape. There's no doubt about that. And yes... He was the king of the universe, so most women might consider him a good catch. But not Hera. She knew all about Zeus's womanizing. He'd already been married at least twice. He'd had a child with Demeter. 
There were rumors of many other affairs with goddesses, titans, and even mortals. Hera was not about to be another conquest. She wasn't a trophy. She knew that if she ever gave in to Zeus, he would lose interest in her immediately, stop being so charming, and go off to flirt with many other women. Hera could not stand that idea. One night at dinner, he told a particularly funny joke, something about a donkey, a god, and a cyclops walking into a temple. And Hera could not help but laugh. She had tears in her eyes and could not breathe. She gazed across the table and met Zeus's gaze a moment too long. She cleared her throat and looked away. But Zeus had glimpsed her feelings. You like me, he said. You know you do. I most certainly do not, she said. You're a fool, a womanizer, a villain, and a liar. Exactly, Zeus said. Those are my best qualities. She tried hard not to laugh. She'd never met a guy who was so immune to her insults. Zeus was almost as stubborn as she was. When will you give up, she demanded. I'm not interested. Oh, I will never give up, he said. And you clearly are interested. You and I, king and queen of the cosmos, imagine it. We'd be an unbeatable couple. Clearly, you're the most beautiful goddess in creation. And I, of course, am devilishly handsome. He flexed his muscles. He was a ridiculous show-off. But Hera had to admit he was buff. She shook her head. How can I convince you that you're wasting your time? You can't. I love you. She snorted. <laughs> you love anything in a dress. This is different. You're the right goddess. I know it. You do too. Just say I love you. You can do it. You'll feel better if you're honest. Never, she said. I will never tell you that. Ever. Oh, sounds like a challenge, Zeus grinned. If I can get you to admit you love me, will you marry me? Hera rolled her eyes. Sure, Zeus. Since that will never happen, I can safely say that if I ever admitted to, you know, what you said, then sure, I'd be happy to marry you. Which I can only promise, because it will never happen. Zeus winked. Challenge accepted. He left the dinner table and Hera began wondering if she'd somehow made a mistake. By a few nights later, Hera had almost forgotten about the conversation. Strangely, Zeus hadn't mentioned it again. In fact, he hadn't paid much attention to her at all since that night. Which should have filled her with relief, but somehow it bummed her out. Forget him, she told herself. He finally got the message. He's probably accosting some other poor goddess. She tried to convince herself this was good news. She wasn't jealous. That would be ridiculous. During the night, a huge thunderstorm raged over Mount Olympus, which probably should have made Hera suspicious, since Zeus was the god of the sky and all that. But she was too busy covering her windows to keep out the rain. She ran to her bedroom and was just closing the last shutters when a small bird fluttered in and collapsed, exhausted, on her floor. Yikes! Hera stepped back in alarm. 
How did you get here? The bird flapped helplessly on the marble tiles. Its chest heaved. Its whole body shivered from the cold. Heron knelt down and saw that it was a cuckoo. Have you ever seen an actual cuckoo bird? Not the carved ones that pop out of old clocks. I haven't. I had to look it up. To be honest, it's a weird-looking little guy. It's got a sort of mohawk thing going on with its head feathers, which doesn't match its slink brown and white wings or its long tail. Basically, it looks like its head got zapped in some mad scientist's device. So I can see why cuckoo became another word for crazy. Anyway, Hera knelt down and scooped up the bird. She could feel its heart beating against her palm. One of its wings was bent the wrong way. Hera didn't understand how such a small bird could have flown all the way up to Mount Olympus. Usually only eagles flew that high, since the airspace around Olympus was restricted. On the other hand, Hera knew that storms had powerful winds. Possibly the poor bird just got swept away. It's a miracle you're alive, Hera told the bird. Don't worry, little guy. I'll take care of you. She made a nest of blankets at the foot of her bed and gently set the bird inside. She dried its wings and fed it a few drops of nectar, which seemed to help. The cuckoo puffed up its feathers. It closed its eyes and started to make whistling, snoring noises, like soft notes played on a flute. Hera found the sound pleasing. I'll just keep him overnight, she said to herself. If he's better in the morning, I'll send him on his way. In the morning, the cuckoo made no attempt to fly away. He sat contentedly on Hera's finger, eating pieces of seed and nut on her hand. Hera had never had a pet before, and it made her smile. You're a good friend, aren't you? She murmured to the bird. Coo said the cuckoo. Hera's heart warmed as she looked into its trusting orange eyes. Should I just keep you? Coo! The cuckoo rubbed his beak on her finger in an unmistakably an affectionate way. Hera laughed in delight. All right, then. Yes, I love you, too. Instantly, the cuckoo hopped to the floor. It began to grow. At first, Hera was afraid she'd fed him too much nectar, and the bird was going to explode, which would have been both distressing and messy. Instead, the bird took on the form of a god. Suddenly, Zeus was standing before her in his glowing white robes, his golden crown gleaming in his black hair, which was still messed up in a cuckoo-style hairdo. Sweet words, my lady, Zeus said. I love you, too. Now, I believe you and I had a deal. Hera was so stunned, she couldn't respond. Anger overwhelmed her. But she also felt a creeping admiration for what an incredible, no-good scoundrel Zeus was. She wasn't sure whether she could hit him, or laugh at him, or just kiss him. He was awfully cute. On one condition, she said tightly. Name it. If I marry you, she said, you will be a good faithful husband. No more playing around, no more affairs, or chasing after pretty mortals. I will not be made a laughingstock. 
Zeus counted on his fingers. That seems like more than one condition, but never mind. I accept. <clears throat> now, Hera should have made him promise on the River Styx, which is the most serious oath any of the gods can make. She didn't, though, and she agreed to marry him. After that, the cuckoo became one of her sacred animals. You'll usually see pictures of Hera holding a staff topped with either a cuckoo or a lotus flower, which was her sacred plant. In case you're curious, her other sacred animal was the cow, because it was such a motherly animal. Personally, if someone had told me, wow, you remind me of a heifer, I would not take that as so much of a compliment. But that didn't seem to bother Hera. Whatever clunks your cowbell, I suppose. Zeus and Hera announced the happy news, and the gods began preparing for the biggest wedding in the history of weddings. The bride and groom entered the sacred grove on the island of Crete in a golden chariot driven by Eos, the titan of the dawn. So rosy red lights spread over the crowd as Zeus and Hera approached, signaling the dawning of a new day. The three fates officiated at the ceremony, which honestly would have made me nervous. Those creepy old ladies could control the future and snip your lifeline, so you'd have to take your vows pretty seriously. Hera and Zeus became man and wife, king and queen of the universe. Zeus and Hera stayed happily married for 300 years, which isn't a long time for gods, but it is better than your average Hollywood marriage. They had three kids together, a boy, Ares, who is what you'd call a problem child, a girl, Hebe, who became the goddess of eternal youth, and another girl, Ilethea, who became the goddess of childbirth. Kind of bad planning, having the goddess of childbirth last, after you've already had two kids. It's almost like Hera thought, wow, this childbearing stuff, this hurts. We should have a goddess for this. After their third kid was born, Zeus started to get the 400-year itch. He remembered the good old days when he was a single guy, ambushing goddesses and snake pits and fun stuff like that. He started looking at other women and flirting again. He'd promised to be a good husband, and he had been, for a while. But when you're immortal, those vows about as long as you both shall live kind of take on a whole new meaning. The more he flirted, the more upset and suspicious Hera got. What she hated the most were all the kids Zeus had by other women. They just kept popping up like weeds. Zeus claimed they were all from previous relationships, but that excuse really didn't cut it. Some of these kids were mortal, and they definitely didn't look over 300 years old. Every time one of them showed up, Hera imagined the other gods snickering behind her back, whispering about what a fool she'd been to even trust Zeus. Finally, she blew her lid. She shouted at Zeus. You keep having kids without me! You think that's funny? You think I appreciate your going back on your promise? Zeus frowned. Is that a trick question? See how you like it, Hera cried. I'm gonna have a kid without you, without any man. I'll have a baby all by myself. Zeus scratched his head. Uh, honey, I don't think it quite works that way. Bah! Hera marched out of the throne room. 
I don't know how she did it. Since her wedding with Zeus, Hera had become the goddess of marriage and motherhood. So, I suppose she had certain powers? Anyway, out of sheer force of will, pettiness, some very effective breathing exercises, possibly even some Eastern meditation, and a proper diet, Hera got pregnant magically, with absolutely no help. That was the good news. The bad news? When the baby arrived, he looked like he could have used some help. His head was misshapen. His whole body was covered with patches of curly black hair. He had large chest and bulky arms. But his legs were shriveled and bent. On one was slightly larger than the other. But instead of crying, he made grunting noises like he really needed to use the bathroom. He was the ugliest kid Hera had ever seen. Even though he was her own baby, she felt no motherly connection at all. No love, just embarrassment. Personally, I'm not surprised things turned out badly. I mean, you have a baby for revenge. It's a pretty messed up reason. But it wasn't the kid's fault. Hera said to herself, I can't show this baby to the other gods. I'll be ridiculed. She went to open the window of her bedroom and looked down the side of Mount Olympus. It sure was a long way down. Who would ever know if this kid disappeared? She could always claim that she'd never even been pregnant. False alarm. Before she could rethink this pretty terrible idea, she tossed the baby out the window. I know. Totally cold. Like, a kid is something you just can't throw away. But Hera was complicated that way. One day she was the perfect mother, the next day she was throwing babies out the window. Oh, but the kid wasn't gone. His name was Hephaestus, and we'll get to him later on. In the meantime, Hera had other problems to deal with. The first time a mortal hero visited Mount Olympus, it was a big deal. His name was Ixion, and apparently he was the first human to figure out that you could kill other humans in battle. Congratulations, you won a prize. The gods were so impressed that he'd learned to fight other humans with an actual sword instead of just chucking rocks and grunting at them, they invited Ixion to feast on Mount Olympus. You'd think the guy would be on his best behavior. Nope. He had too much to eat and too much to drink. All the praise went to his head. He started thinking the gods were actually his friends. Big mistake. No matter how nice the gods treat you, they never see you as their equal. Remember, to them we are gerbils who have fire, cockroaches who can use weapons. We're kind of entertaining. Occasionally we're useful if the gods need to kill small things down on Earth, but BFFs? No. All evening, Ixion kept making eyes at Hera, since she was the most beautiful lady at the table. Zeus was too busy partying to notice, much less to care. Finally, Hera got really uncomfortable and excused herself. Ixion figured that was his cue to follow her. The guy had learned how to kill people, but apparently he had a lot to learn about goddesses. After she'd left, Ixion waited at the table for a few minutes. Then he announced to the gods, Hey, all this drink is gone right through me. This is the bathroom. Uh, do gods even have bathrooms? Down the hall, Zeus said, first door on the right. 
They're marked mortals and gods. Just be sure you use the correct one. Ixion headed off in the direction Hera had gone. He found her standing on a balcony, looking out at the clouds. Hey, beautiful, he said. She flinched. She probably would have turned him into some form of snail, something very slimy. But she was too stunned that this mortal had even dared to speak to her. Ixion took her silence as shyness. Yeah, I know you've been checking me out. I think you're awesome, too. How about a kiss? He put his arm around her and tried to kiss her. Hera was so panicked, all she could do was push him away and run. She lost him in the corridors of the palace, locked herself in her room, and waited until her pulse remained to normal. Why hadn't she incinerated him, or at least changed him into a slug? She'd been too shocked. Also, maybe she was a little confused by the flirting. It had been several hundred years since she had to deal with that. Once she'd gotten married, she'd put other men out of her mind completely. Whatever Hera's faults, she was not a cheater. She didn't have an unfaithful bone in her immortal body. She truly and honestly believed that marriage was forever, for better or worse. Which is why Zeus's little adventures drove her into a rage. Once she had calmed down, she started to plot her revenge. She, she could punish Ixion herself, sure. But why not tell Zeus instead? Let him be the jealous one for a change. Maybe if he had to defend her honor, he would start taking his marriage vows more seriously. Hera composed herself and returned to the dinner table. Ixion sat there chatting away, as if nothing had happened. A little weasel. Hera gave him a smile, just to show she wasn't rattled. Then she leaned over to Zeus and whispered, My lord, may I speak with you in private? Zeus frowned. Am I in trouble? Not yet, she said sweetly. She led him down the hall and explained what had happened. Zeus scowled. He stroked his beard thoughtfully. Hera had been hoping he would march right back into the dining room and blast Ixion to ashes. But he didn't. Did you hear me? Hera asked. Why aren't you getting angry? Oh, I heard you, Zeus cleared his throat. It's just... Well, he's a guest in my house. He's eaten our food. I can't incinerate him without good reason. Without good reason, she cried. He made a pass at your wife. Yes, yes, and that's very serious. Still, I need indisputable proof. And my word is not good enough? Hera was about to throw Zeus off the balcony and take care of Ixion herself. But Zeus raised his hands to placate her. I have a plan, he said. We'll see if Ixion really intended to dishonor you. Or if he just made a drunken, stupid mistake. Once we have proof, none of the other gods will object to my punishing this mortal. Even though he is my guest. Trust me. If he's guilty, his punishment will be spectacular. Hera clenched her fists. Do what you have to do. Zeus reached over the railing and summoned down a cloud. It condensed and churned before him in a small white tornado, shaping itself into a humanoid figure. 
It became an exact replica of Hera, only pale and cold. I take that back. It was an exact replica of Hera. Fake Hera looked at real Hera. Hello. Okay, that is just creepy, said real Hera. Just wait here, Zeus told real Hera. He took fake Hera back to the party. Ixion picked up right where he'd left off, flirting with fake Hera. To his delight, fake Hera flirted back. She gestured for him to follow her down the hall. One thing led to another. In the morning, the bleary-eyed gods stumbled into the dining hall for breakfast. They were surprised to find that Ixion had stayed overnight. And when they asked why, Ixion told them that the Queen of Heaven had invited him to stay in her apartment. Wink, wink, wink. I have her wrapped around my little finger, he bragged. She said I was much more handsome than Zeus. She's going to make me immortal just so she can be with me forever. He went on boasting about how cool he was and how much Hera wanted to leave Zeus and marry him. Meanwhile, Zeus himself entered the dining room hall and walked up quietly behind him. Finally, Ixion realized that all the gods at the table had gone silent. He faltered. He's, he's right behind me, isn't he? Why, yes, Zeus said cheerfully. And if you're going to steal another man's wife, you really shouldn't brag about it in his own house. Also, you should make sure it's actually the man's wife you stole, and not a cloud dummy. Ixion gulped. I guess I'm in trouble. Just a bit, Zeus agreed. None of the other gods objected to Zeus's punishing his guest. Zeus called for a spare chariot wheel and strapped Ixion to the spokes, stretching his limbs so tight they were about to snap. Then he set the wheel on fire and threw it into the sky like a frisbee. Ixion became immortal, but only so he could sever eternal agony. He's still up there in orbit, spinning and burning and screaming, Hera, I thought you liked me. The strangest part of the story, fake Hera actually had a baby. How does a cloud have a baby? I have no clue, but their son was a guy named Centaurus, who apparently fell in love with a horse. Again, no clue. Their kids became the race of centaurs, who were half-human, half-horse. Like I said at the beginning, I couldn't make up this stuff. Bun Bun Storytime is brought to you in part by Radio Public. Radio Public is free, easy to use, and helps listeners like you find and support shows like mine. When you listen to my show on Radio Public, everyone benefits. Hera hoped Zeus would be a more attentive husband after the Ixian incident, but she was disappointed. Instead, Zeus seemed to think he'd successfully defended Hera's honor, so now he deserves some playtime. If I tried to tell you all the times Hera took revenge on Zeus's girlfriends, we'd be here for a century. It sort of became Hera's full-time job. But one particular mortal girl really got under her skin. Samel was a princess of the Greek city of Thebes. And though no one dare said it aloud, everyone knew she was the most beautiful mortal of her generation. 
as beautiful as a goddess, perhaps even more beautiful than Hera herself. Zeus started taking a lot of shopping trips down to Thebes. Hera was suspicious, of course, but Zeus was clever. Hera could never catch him and Samel together. Then one day she was hovering over Thebes as a golden cloud when she happened to spot Zeus, in disguises as a mortal, but Hera could still recognize him, exiting a house in the best part of town. A moment later, Samel appeared at the door and waved after him. The girl only stood there for a second, but one thing was obvious. She was immensely pregnant. Hera snarled and muttered to herself, but she couldn't simply kill the girl outright. Even though Zeus was a no-good scumbag, he was a very powerful no-good scumbag. If he found out that Hera had killed one of his girlfriends, he could inflict all sorts of pain and suffering on her. She would have to work through trickery. Hera floated down to Thebes in her golden cloud and took the form of an old woman. She knocked on Samel's door, thinking she could pretend to be a beggar, or perhaps a traveling saleslady. Samel opened the door and gasped, Baro, is that you? Hera had no idea what the girl was talking about, but she played along. Why, yes, my dear, it is I, Baro, your, um, my nursemaid from childhood? Exactly! Oh, you have aged so. Thanks, Hera muttered. But I would still know you from anywhere. Please, come in. Hera got a tour of the house. She was outraged to find it was just as nice, if not better, than her own apartment on Mount Olympus. She asked innocently how Samel came by such an amazing mansion, which seemed elaborate, even for a princess. Oh, it's my boyfriend, Samel said, beaming with pride. He's just so awesome. He gives me anything I want. Why, just look at this necklace he just bought me. She showed Hera jade, gold, and ruby pendant that was much nicer than anything Zeus had ever given to her. How lovely, Hera resisted the urge to punch the princess in her perfect teeth. So, who is this guy? Is he local? Oh, I'm not supposed to say. But I'm your old nursemaid, Beryl, Harris said. Beryl, Samel said. That's what I meant. Surely you can tell me. Samel was bursting with excitement. She'd been dying to tell someone, so she didn't take much convincing. Well, it's Zeus. She confessed. The Lord of the Sky, the King of Creation. Harris stared at her, feigning disbelief. Then she sighed in sympathy. Oh, my poor girl. My poor, poor girl. Samel blinked. That wasn't the reaction she'd been expecting. But... I'm dating the King of the Universe. Harris snorted. Ha! <laughs> so he says. How many guys have used that line before? Like, every one of them. How do you know he's actually a god, and not just some rich old creep pretending to be a god? Samel's face reddened. But he said he was Zeus, and he seems very... godly. 
Has he done anything to prove it? Uh, well, no. Hera pretended to think about the problem. This is the father of your child. You should be sure. You said he would do anything for you. Yes, he promised. Get him to swear, Hera advised. Then ask him to appear before you the way he appears before his wife Hera. In his true godly form. That's the only way you'll know for sure. Samel pondered this. Sounds dangerous. Not if he truly loves you. Are you not as good as Hera? Of course. And as beautiful? More beautiful. Zeus told me. Hera clenched her jaw so hard she cracked an immortal tooth. There you go, then. If Hera can handle Zeus's godly form, then surely you can, too. I hope he really is Zeus, my dear. Honestly. But you must be sure. Your child's future is on the line. When is he coming back? Very soon, actually. Well, look at the time, Harris said. Wonderful catching up, but I should go. I have old lady things to do. Hera left. An hour later, Zeus returned to Samel's house. Hey, babe, he said as he walked in. Immediately, he noticed something was wrong. Samel didn't run up and hug and kiss him as usual. She was sulking on her couch with her arms crossed across her pregnant belly. Uh, what's up? Zeus asked. Samel pouted. You said you'd do anything for me. And I will. You want, you want another necklace? No, she said. I want a different favor. Only one thing will make me happy. Zeus chuckled. Maybe Samel just wanted a dress this time. Or a pair of those new things the humans just invented. What were they called? Shoes? Anything you want, Zeus said. Promise. He spread his arms magnanimously. I swear on the river sticks. Ask me any favor and it's yours. Good, she allowed herself a smile. I want you to appear before me in your true godly form. The way you appear to Hera. Zeus sucked in his breath. Ooh, bad idea, babe. Ask me anything else. No, Samel struggled to her feet. You said anything. I want proof that you're really a god. I'm just as good as Hera. I want to see you the way she sees you. But a god's true form, that's not for mortals to look on. Especially pregnant mortals. Especially pregnant mortals who would like to live longer than a few seconds. I can handle it, she said. I know I can. Zeus was not so sure about that. He'd never actually tried appearing to a mortal in his pure godly form before. But he imagined that for the mortal, it would be like looking at the sun without protective eye gear. Or looking at an actor first thing in the morning pre-makeup. Dangerous. On the other hand... Zeus had sworn on the river Styx, and he couldn't back out of that. Also, Samel was a feisty girl. She was the daughter of the famous hero Cadmus. If she thought she could handle seeing a god's true form, maybe she could. Okay, ready? Zeus asked. Ready. Zeus's mortal disguise burned away. He appeared in all his glory as a swirling pillar of fire and lightning, like a supernova. In Samel's living room, 
The furniture went up in flames. The door blew off its hinges. The window shutters exploded. Smell couldn't handle it. She vaporized, leaving an after-mirage scorch mark on the living room wall. However, the baby inside her did survive. Probably because he was part god. The poor little guy was suddenly hovering in midair where his nice cozy mother used to be. Zeus took physical form just in time to catch him before he hit the floor. Of course, Zeus was in shock over Samel's death, but he realized that the most important thing right now was the baby. The little dude wasn't fully grown yet. He obviously needed a few more months to develop before he was ready to be born. Zeus had to think quickly. He pulled out his lightning bolt and made an incision in his own right thigh. Must have hurt like crazy, but Zeus stuffed the baby in his thigh just like he was putting him in the pocket of cargo pants or something. Then he sewed his skin shut. Guys, don't try this at home. It won't work. But I guess gods are different. Somehow the kids stayed alive in there and kept growing until he was ready to be born. No word on whether the other god said, Hey Zeus, why is your right thigh so huge, dude? You should really get that looked at. When the baby was ready, Zeus cut him out. And the kid became the god Dionysus. And we'll get to his, stor his story later on. His birth is the least strange thing about him. Anyway, Hera got revenge on Samel. The last thing about Hera, and I really don't get this, is how quickly she could change from being somebody's enemy to his friend, or vice versa. Take Poseidon, for example. At first, they didn't get along. In fact, they both had their eye on the same Greek kingdom called Argos. See, it was a big deal back then to be the patron god of this city or that city. Like, it was a huge honor if you could claim to be the god of New York City. I guess Argos was a nice place, because both Hera and Poseidon wanted to be its patron. The king decided to go for Hera. Hera was delighted. Poseidon, not so much. He flooded the entire kingdom, and when Hera complained, Poseidon said, Fine, I'll take back the water. I'll take back all of it. The sea receded, and all the springs and rivers in the whole country went dry. Hera complained again. The two of them went at it. Finally, Poseidon relented and let some of the water come back. But Argos is still a very dry place. Many of the rivers have no water unless it rains. My point is that Hera changed her tune shortly afterward. She and Poseidon had a nice sit-down and decided that Zeus was getting way out of control as a leader. They plotted the first ever Olympian rebellion. But we'll get to that when we talk about Poseidon. For now, we have to visit the underworld and see how it's going with our favorite creepy underworld god, Hades. <laughs> 